Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
If you're really fancy, you have found your way to blogtalkradio.com and followed a link that's been shared around probably on Facebook or some other social networking site. And if you are like probably, I don't know, 80, 90% of the listeners slash viewers, you are somewhere on Facebook. So... Currently, I have a feed coming off of my Joe Grumbine public figure page, which I welcome you to uh, pop on and share it and uh, participate. I'm currently looking at that feed right now, and I see that we got Debbie, Glenn, Becca, and Laura on the line, and hello, and thank you for being here. I'm now looking at Lisa Wooldridge's feed, and I can't see a thing, but I'm looking at the camera as so many people tell me to do. So hopefully uh, we're getting some attention there. The thing that makes this show work or not work, lately it's been working pretty good, so we're putting more energy into it, is that people participate. Anybody who's known me knows that I can talk at infinitum about anything or nothing at all, and I'm more than willing to do it as long as i got somebody willing to listen. However... Um, I don't like to go back and listen to those kind of shows because I already uh, heard it in my head, then said it, and then listening again is um, not particularly interesting to me. However, when you guys pop on and share your thoughts and ideas and concerns and um, cases and everything that we do, it makes it for uh, very interesting, informative, inspiring, and well worth it shows. So... Um, this is one of the shows that in some ways I like the most. Um, in some ways I've got to work a little harder because I don't have a guest that I can let talk. And uh, I've got to sort of to be a ringleader on this show a little bit more. This is an open mic show. That means I encourage everybody to uh, pop on if you're currently listening right now and you might have something you want to share with the rest of the world. And when I say the rest of the world, I mean it. We've had listeners from all over the world um, on one of the three or four feeds we've had. We've had listeners from Australia, from the U.K., from Canada, Mexico, uh, Europe, all over Europe. And uh, it's exciting. We've had listener members uh, from all over the states, uh, including Alaska, Hawaii. I don't know if we've had all 50 states in yet, but we've had... Uh, probably close to 40 of them for sure. Uh, what that says is that the information here that's given and, and, and talked about and shared and, and sometimes argued about, but not usually, is important and relevant. And what that information is is our freedom and our liberty. And currently we're talking about our plant, but really it goes so much deeper than that. The plant is the symptom the liberty is the problem. The disease we have right now is that our liberties are being stripped and being stripped. And, you know, we like to whine and bitch here in the States about everything. You know, the president this and the Congress that and, and all of these things. But the truth is, if you've been to other nations and see how other governments work, I'm pretty fortunate and grateful that I live here because I can do this show and and not worry about some Gestapo-type secret police coming and 
and taking me off in the middle of the night or the afternoon or raiding my house or or following me or, or going after my family and loved ones as they do in other countries. I heard today on the news, the regular mainstream news, I didn't search this out, I didn't hunt for it, it just plopped in my lap. In Egypt this week, um, an individual was sentenced to prison for some speech crime that was ridiculous. And it had to do with some religious and uh, political comment that they had made. And they're now in prison. And there's another uh, instance, and I, God, I for whatever reason, I, I woke up and heard it very recently. And it was, it was another thing. A woman got sentenced to prison in Egypt for, oh, Oh, it was a it was it was a post she had made on public on on a social network of some sort, and it was either something provocative. Oh, she was a pop a pop singer, and she had written a song about something that the government determined to be not appropriate, and she's facing prison time over it. And I and I thought to myself, you know, this is in Egypt. Egypt is not a third world country. I, I don't know if they're considered a second world country. But they have a modern government, or they have the ability to have one. They've been around as a society for certainly longer than we have, and yet their public sentiment is such that, or the reigning power, I think, is more than their public sentiment, as they've had already a major upheaval in the last several years. But clearly the power that holds on is still um, tyrannical. And any place that you have to worry about, did I say the wrong thing and am I going to get in trouble for it, is really a big problem. And here in the States, uh, it's starting to become that way, but it certainly is a long way from it. And I certainly hope that as we're busy trying to get everything regulated and as we're busy trying to get everything controlled and as we're busy trying to get everything out of our hands, we realize what we're doing because once we give up our power, regardless of what it is, we don't usually get it back. And I'm not talking about anything in particular. I'm talking about liberty. That's a general broad term. We know what it is. Liberty is the thing that we have when we say, I want to do this, and nobody says you can't. That's liberty. And if I'm not hurting anybody and I say I want to do this, I can't think of a single reason, legal, moral, or otherwise, that should say I can't. And yet, we uh, live in a world where there are many places where you can't say what you want, you can't think what you want, you can't certainly do what you want, you can't act on thoughts, or your face imprisonment, loss of property, sometimes even loss of life. Some of these countries that so many people I hear standing in in um, defense of have so little freedom for their citizens. And I, and I hear people going, oh, you know, these people, they're being oppressed by some other country. And the truth is, see what their own government's doing to them and see, see maybe there's other problems. Maybe they're not our personal problem. I'm not saying we should be the world's police. I'm just saying that maybe we should concentrate some of our energy on our own freedoms. And that's what this show's about. 
So since we have no main guest, I get more time to to pontificate about these things. If you have any thoughts, ideas, con, con, comments about freedom and liberty, I'd love to hear. I don't hear enough people talking about liberty and freedom. I hear people talking about details. I hear people talking about, you know, oh, we need to make some little baby steps. Oh, it's better than nothing. I say, well, okay, that's great. When is it going to be okay? When do we get to say we just want our freedom? That's all. We just want our freedom. All right, we've got a big show today. Um, let's just go through sort of the list of things we're going to talk about. We had a board meeting last week. We're going to talk about that. Had some big, big changes and updates. We're going to have a membership drawing, and I'm kind of excited about that. We're going to talk about that. We are going to be having elections in September. I'm going to be talking about that ad nauseum until we get um, the right amount of people participating in this election. This year should be a good one because we've got a lot of active members being active right now, and uh, that's a perfect opportunity for there to be more of a, of a leadership body. Um, I'm going to talk about Michael Pelletier's uh, project, and I've got uh, some of his postcards that I'm going to offer up as a as a gift here, we have uh, Craig Cecil's going to be checking in from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's currently serving life in prison for pot. Yeah, life in prison for pot. Think about that, folks. As you're arguing and bantering about compliance, as, as you're determining, is do I have my license correct? As you're, as you're talking about this is okay and that's not, Think about the fact that there's a man, there's a lot of people, but there's one man that we know particularly who checks in with us every single week who's locked up today, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, the last 17 years, and he's going to be locked up for the rest of his freaking life unless we do something about it. That's something to think about. Um, we're going to talk about priorities. I had a sort of a, another wake-up call. I get lots of those for some reason. I must be dozing off in life or something, but... I'm going to talk about priorities. I'm hoping to encourage some of you all to modify some of yours and direct them to things that might help more of us. Um, George Martorano is going to be joining us later on in the show where uh, he just got done serving 32 years. To all of our members and listeners who are less than 32 years old, what that means is this man served more than your lifetime in prison for pot. So as you're, again, bickering, bantering, uh, conversating about the details and the finer points of cannabis, uh, maybe we should just fix some of the big dull sharp projects. Dull sharp, that's a contradiction term. Um, whatever. Some of the bigger, more daunting problems, such as uh, cannabis is still considered a crime by our federal government. And that means anywhere, any Anyhow, if you're a citizen of the United States of America and you are participating in cannabis in any way, shape, or form, you are federally breaking the law, unless you're L.V. Musica or a couple of others that are still receiving, um, you know, this experimental choice that they get. That's it. Everybody else, you're breaking the law. Don't care what your state says. Don't care what your city license says. Don't care what your tax ID says. Federal government says no. You don't get it. All right, we're going to talk about uh, help that we need, and we're going to talk about unity and how come. 
How come? We've decided as a coalition, as well, the human solution actually brought it in, uh, the concept up. Hashtag how come? We have, I don't know, members of several major groups that have signed on and said they support this. Um, the concept is simple. It's a messaging campaign. Hashtag how come? How come Craig Cecil's still in federal prison with no way out on our tax dollar? How come cannabis is considered Schedule 1 when there's a patent that says it's got a medical use? How come our tax dollars are going uh, to pursue this wasted war on drugs? How come? And the list goes on and on and on. And we talk about the beat going on and getting a message out there to where we can reach those that don't understand, don't know, ignorant, or pig-headed, or whatever it is, doesn't matter. If the beat goes on, and the beat is loud enough and clear enough, and lasts long enough, we can break through. We can break through the, the, the walls of ignorance. We can break through the, the walls of, of the lobby that is adamantly, ardently, vehemently trying to stop us. They are putting millions and millions, probably billions of dollars into the lobby, meaning of influencing, influencing our legislators and our our judges and our law enforcement. You know, for those of you who are part of a lobby group, I'm sorry, I <coughs> don't mind if I gag a little bit, but the truth is all a lobby is is trying to lean on. Okay, and, and for all of our independent citizen lobbying efforts, there are real lobby efforts going on where millions and millions and millions of dollars are being spent. And, you know, I appreciate everybody's efforts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not in any way degrading or denigrating your efforts as a lobby group. But, man, what if we had some unity? What if we had some unity? I know there's a, a, a group about safe access that claims to be part of unity, but I've tried to work with them for 10 years and had limited to no success. I know, and they're a lobby group. There's a, there's a group that's, that's goal is to reform things. I've tried to work with them. Some success. Local chapters have been very helpful in certain cases, but as a group, as a whole, nothing. Stonewall, nothing. The main organization in California doesn't even like us. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, really. Why wouldn't we want to stand together? And if we're going to be a citizen lobby, who cares what the banner is? Why don't we stand together as the citizens of the United States of America or of the world, for Christ's sake? We have Canada, which is considered legal by some people, Ask the people that live there how, how that's working out. Not so good, okay? We've got all the places I know of that are legal. There's nothing but problems. Nobody's talking about it. We've got people doing their own thing, fighting their own cases. Um, you know, and we come together on a, on a radio show now and again, and I get the pledges, but I don't very often get the follow-through. I'm asking for the follow-through. All of you people who decided you wanted to be part of our coalition, the UCCA, the new coalition that was started in Atlanta, 
um, every coalition project that we've put forth, where are you? You know, come back. We're still here. I'm still here. I still want to get these projects done. They're not going to do themselves, and the handful of us that are ardently working to get things done, we don't have enough energy, enough time, enough hands, enough brain cells. And so that's why I want to talk about unity. I, I, I will talk about unity every show if I am able. I talk about Abraham Lincoln's quote, with public sentiment, anything is possible. And without public sentiment, nothing possible. So what that means is if you got enough money, you can convey public sentiment to our legislators, whose job it is is to make laws. And if you throw enough money down at them, it basically will overrule as many of the people that get out there marching in the street because watch them, watch what they do, watch what they vote for, watch what legislation they bring to the table, bring to the floor, and watch what their voting record is. And take a little time and do that and see what your legislators are doing. Um, I would love for one person one time to call up the show and tell me why you don't want to help, <laughs> why you don't want to work with us, you know. Why don't we work together? Whatever your group is, whatever your banner is, whoever you are, if you believe in freedom, if you believe that this plant should not be a criminal act, I implore you, I ask you, I beg you, I beseech you, please, please, stand with us, help us, participate, join us in some way, shape, or form, or tell us why you won't. All right, unity, I think that's just such an important thing. We're going to continue to talk about it as we go along. The Human Solutions and All-Volunteer Organization, we operate from a limited budget. And I apologize, my uh, feed is already clicking out, so hopefully um, hopefully you guys that are on my feed know that it'll click out and you'll have to click back and we'll do it again, and I don't know what's going on with that. It's, I think it's Facebook at this point. It's just shutting me down. Here's Craig Cecil. He's going to be joining us right now, and I apologize to everybody that just got disconnected here.
licensing and regulating and all of this stuff, it's still federally a crime, and there's still people like you that are locked up and, unless we do something about it, don't have a way out. And it just really kind of, you know, continues to irritate me to the point where I, I, I'm literally, you know, begging people to stand with us and help in this once and for all. And that's what I just got done when, doing when you called. Well, and, and I, I think there's been something in the news lately I'm sure you're aware of. Is, uh, a case was in the United States District Court by two plaintiffs that relied on marijuana for medical reasons. One was a child that, uh, I mean, had debilitating seizures. I mean, just a myriad of them every day. And, I mean, it was really taking a toll, toll on this child. They started the child on a... I don't know if it was cannabis or, you know, some sort of cannabinoid. And uh, the child in three years has not had a seizure. <laughs> I mean, it was a miracle drug for this child. Well, the child wants to travel. And unfortunately, they won't allow, you know, the child to bring cannabinoids you know, to an airplane or, you know, anything along those lines. So they went to court and they argued that how can you call marijuana schedule one a narcotic in that it has no medicinal purpose. When here we can show with this child that it has a medicinal purpose, at least for this child. And they cited some other people as well. Unfortunately, the court last week dismissed the case, citing some procedural issues in federal court. But the judge had acknowledged that, uh, that there obviously is a medicinal value for marijuana, but again, the, the judge tied away, you know, he, really the judge kind of hid behind a, a procedural hook, you know, uh, quirk and, and threw the uh, lawsuit out. Now, I think there's hope for it on appeal, and it sounds like uh, the person some backing of, you know, people that'll pay for attorneys. So I, I'm pretty excited to see that. This call is from a federal prison. This is actually court, and he's put it in the news of where are we ignoring the benefits of marijuana, especially for this child that was a lifesaver. And this child is not alone. Well, you know, what's interesting is these judges, on, on one level, we see a rising tide of legislation from the bench. And we see judges interpreting laws in, in ways maybe a little different than they were intended enforcing their agendas, um, you know, through uh, judicial rulings. And then on the other hand, <laughs> the totally opposite of this, you have judges that just don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. And for whatever reason, you know, these judges don't want to be the one that, the one that stood tall, the one that, that, you know, issued the ruling. And yet, little by little, we're chinking away at it, just like so many other Things. You know, we had earlier, a couple of years back, um, we had a case in California where um, they had hearings on the admission of, um, of evidence in a medical marijuana trial uh, where in the state it was legal. And they at least had uh, some hearings about that. And then, um, you know, we just had a, a, the Kettle Falls case where the, their case was actually dismissed. Um, you know, they were tried and, and, and convicted and of some charges and not of others. 
and the judge actually, in the appeal, um, overturned their conviction and ruled that, you know, they were operating within their state's laws and that the DEA shouldn't have been, uh, shouldn't have gone forward with that case. So there's actually now a case where, um, you know, the state of the law, meaning the funding of the DEA, counted for something. You know, we have a, a few people that are free today rather than incarcerated. And in this case, it was a civil case, and, you know, it wouldn't have been able to change the law even if it ruled in favor for this kid or these plaintiffs, but it certainly would have made a, a serious uh, chink in the whole Schedule One uh, argument, and it would cause there to be maybe a reevaluation of it. Maybe there'd be even some legal um, uh, trigger or, or, or system that might get pulled into play. I don't know. But certainly the constitutionality of something that's a conundrum might be held to task. But as so many judges, um, they don't want to be the one that, that uh, you know, that was holding the ball when this thing gets kicked through the goalpost. Um, and I don't know what it is. But the good news is the fact that there was an opinion rendered, not, not published, but the judge gave um, some sort of an opinion that, that acknowledge the validity of this case and it opens the door for another case and there's certainly there's no shortage of plaintiffs in a case like this there's no shortage of people that that would use this as a medical necessity uh, i know dozens of them personally so hopefully we can find the right attorneys willing to take on these cases and just keep filing them and if the right one lands in front of the right judge at the right time um we're going to start getting some rulings. I agree, because even that case uh, challenging the Schedule 1 designation, it wouldn't have been the cure-all, end-all, you know, had the plaintiff won in that case. But it would be a, a mighty step in the right direction to say, you know, everybody needs to take a new look at this. Well, and I think that these cases, as they come forward, um, there isn't a single case that can be precedent setting to overturn a law like the Controlled Substances Act, but if you put a, a chink in it and if there becomes a ruling uh, that that challenges the legitimacy of the standing of Schedule 1, it would open the floodgates for there to be, you know, dozens if not hundreds if not thousands of similar cases because we have no shortage of people that have fought the government and lost or gone up against the government and taken a plea deal because there was no, no leg to stand on. There was no defense to be had with the Controlled Substances Act being so firm and, and, and unforgiving. Um, but this, you know, we're slowly chinking away at it. So I do feel very strong. I, I, I hate baby steps. I like giant steps. But every time that we go up against them, and even if we lose, if we gain an opinion from a judge, if, if some, some thoughtful words are said, if, if certain things didn't happen, um, the fact that that case was even heard at all, that, that it didn't just get thrown out prior to, to uh, you know, these statements that were made. They had at least one hearing. That's something, and it's something that can be built upon. Now, the, the only fear that I have is that... Uh if they determine that, you know, marijuana does have a medicinal purpose, 
it would move it potentially from schedule one to schedule two, which really doesn't help people. No. <laughs> If it goes schedule two, it's it's it becomes almost worse because schedule two drugs are the ones that are the most regulated, and they're the ones that have to be signed in a triplicate script, and they're the ones that right now the FDA is cracking down so hard that doctors are um, you know shrinking from writing the the, the prescriptions for schedule two narcotics. So if it went to Schedule 2, to me, it would be a nightmare, even maybe worse than the one we have, because it would put it in a category where they'd say, well, we gave you what you wanted. You wanted it to be medicine. Now it's medicine, although nobody will get it now because not a single doctor is going to be held accountable for something that they can't control. And, you know, we would end up being in a situation like, uh, you know, the Marinol and the, the single molecule of drugs that are already out there that simply don't work. Because I look at methamphetamine as a Schedule 2 Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's all kinds of Schedule 2. you got the Oxycontin and the the the, the um, Norcos and all of these major opiates that, you know, are such a such a problem out there. And, yeah, they're all, they're all prescribable drugs. And they're, they're, they're very often prescribed. But, you think a doctor is going to take on the the cannabis and and then be then be accountable for your dosage and your usage when it's not that kind of a drug? It's not that kind of a compound where a doctor can, you know, tell you take two pills and call me in the morning. It it just doesn't work that way. But you know, it's it's the discussion isn't getting any, any less, and the um, you know you're you're hearing it almost every single day somewhere on the mainstream news, although they keep calling it marijuana. I don't hear a whole lot of cannabis being said, but at the end of the day, people at least know what you're talking about. I don't think I ever anymore can listen to a day's news cycle without hearing about marijuana or cannabis in some way, shape, or form. And I just only wish, you know, that when they're talking about it, that somewhere, somehow, there would be a resource that could be relied upon for for facts. Uh, I, I've heard so many falsehoods stated in the news about cannabis, about things that are, um, you know, just just completely wrong. You know, when they talk about overdoses and they talk about the hazard to children and all of these things, when the truth is, it's one of the only substances on the planet that there's still yet today to be a proven death as a result. There's just, you know, people have died from drinking coffee. People have died from from lotion. They've died from from water. But they haven't died from cannabis. And yet they keep talking about, what about the children? You know, what about all the, the, the delicates? Well, what about them? That's what I had to say. What about them? The only marijuana news I've seen in the last couple of days is uh, a few of the big beer companies are complaining that marijuana sales are cutting into their beer sales. Oh, heaven forbid! We don't want to. We don't want to go after the almighty alcohol. Lord knows, you know the nation is uh, is built on a pool of alcohol. There's no question there. 
But, um, yeah, the, the truth is, and, and we talked about that as Colorado was coming online and as Washington was coming online, um, and, and that was one of the things that we talked about on, on previous shows is one of the side effects is going to be there's going to be a, a lessening of prescription drugs and a lessening of alcohol problems because people will rely upon cannabis in a way that they used alcohol Previously, only cannabis doesn't cause the harm that alcohol does. So I'm sorry, uh, Budweiser. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Anheuser-Busch and, and all the gang. But pot's better. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Well, one theory I saw advanced is that the big uh, beer and spirits distributors are actually looking into entering into the marijuana field on their own, which... I'm sure there's a disadvantages as well to it, but there may be the advantages might over, you know, outweigh the disadvantages. I'm hopeful that that's the way it is. Well, there's your first beep, and and you're right. They're getting the big players to come in in some ways is a benefit because at least they'll stand up against the feds. Uh, the disadvantages are many as well, but I'm gonna turn it over to you to finish up. You've got the floor. Okay. Uh... This week for me, the only fun that I've had is, uh, as of yesterday, I've been designated the uh, commissioner for the president. The what? So, oh, wait, wait, the, the softball league commissioner. Oh. So <laughs> I'm also organizing now all the softball competitions and all that for the summer, and it's going to be busy, and I think it's going to be fun. So oh, I'm good. looking forward let to be, that. Let there be much softball in Terre Haute. <laughs> so I've got to polish up on any of the rules I don't know and and stay out of the politics, and I, I'm looking forward. Uh, and there he goes. As we're talking about softball. Well, at very least, there was something good that came out of the conversation. I, um, you know, it kills me again every time we talk to Craig. He gets 15 minutes to talk, and... Um, What's interesting a lot of times is that Craig will pull up a story that nobody else I've even heard talk about. In this case, wasn't so much the case, but I don't know how many times I've, I've listened to Craig, and, you know, he has access to the same news channels we do, but somehow um, he's able to find just about every week some little tidbit that um, wasn't brought to my attention in some way, shape, or form. All right. <clears throat> so, the, my feed, is, as has been doing the last three, four weeks, is already cut out one time. Hopefully, it'll keep going. Just know that if it cuts off, just jump back on the page. I'll relaunch it again. Lisa's feed, I think, is going strong. I don't think it's had any issues. So, if you find her feed, uh, you're more than welcome to stay there. Please pass it around. If anything that you're listening to right now inspires your thought, your ideas, your problems you're you have a bitch you want to you want to air out whatever it is all you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 646-929-2495 and our amazing screener non-compliant mary will pick up the phone and ask you what's up and you can join the show join the con join the conversation uh this show is brought to you by the coffee party and the coffee party radio network and uh i am a member of the coffee party as well as a member of the human solution so I encourage your membership in 
any number of, of uh, great groups that are out there and, um, you know, cross-pollinating, working together, frankly, I believe is the key to our success. And as we can figure that out and overcome whatever it is that keeps us from it, I think we'll, we'll, we will be more successful. All right, we got Glenn Keeling up. Um, Glenn is a rising star in our organization. He is the um, chapter coordinator of our Ohio chapter. He is a defendant in a cannabis case. He is also the Human Solutions Outreach Coordinator as of last week. And um, he's put together an amazing program that's going to introduce uh, seminars and information into the Ohio college system, and we're going to talk about that and some other things right now. So remember, if you want to call in, you've got a question, a comment, or anything that you want to share, just pick up the phone and dial 646-929-2495. Glenn Keeling, you're live on the air. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on, and hello, everybody. Thank <clears throat> Glenn. All right, hopefully lots of people are saying hello, Glenn. Uh, hello, Glenn. <laughs> there we go. There's Miles. All right. Um, so uh, what's yeah, going on any, any word from the judge? Uh, we've not gotten any word from the judge yet. Um, I went in again for my weekly little drug test. Um, that stops now. I do not. I no longer have to do weekly tests. I'm now back on to a will call list, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> that's one good thing. Um, the probation department, uh, talking with them. You know, I've been talking with them over the last several weeks, and and they are pretty sure that. They explained to me today that what we are going through by state law is against the law. Um, the prosecutor prosecuting us against state law. Um, so we're hoping that that goes in our favor. Uh, they held me five days longer on my bail. My bail was paid on November 22nd, and they did not release me from jail until the following Monday, which was on the 27th. They held me five days longer in jail. And it was all because the guy that was supposed to hook me up on my little ankle monitor, you know, everybody, anybody that's ever had one knows that it takes, literally takes two minutes. He did not want to turn around and come back into the building. He was, he left the building, didn't go across the street, was on the sidewalk. And he did wow. not want to come back into the building to hook me up. So I ended up having to sit in jail five days longer because of that. Um, and it was pretty cool because today that particular individual did apologize to me, which I really? was pretty much. Yes, yes, he did. He said that wow. it was, uh, and, and he did quote that it was against my constant, it, that they violated the Eighth Amendment right. Pay bail, you get out. Doesn't matter. That it's right. just the way it goes. Um, so I mean, it was pretty nice that he he did apologize. Um, 
We have now started a letter writing thing to the judge. We've got uh, a few sitting here to be mailed to him. We, this will be a total of 22 letters that people around the community, our kids, our mom, she's watching now. Hi, mom. Uh, has wrote to the judge to, you know, get this speeding along because what they are doing is unconstitutional. It's unjust. Nobody, nobody should ever face charges for a plant. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what you were doing, how you were doing it. Nobody should ever be charged for a plant. I feel really bad for Cecil. I really, that is the shittiest thing, serving life in prison for a plant. That is the shittiest thing that could ever happen to anyone, ever. Couldn't agree with you more. We have set up, and we are setting up, and we are getting information. We're getting gathering a whole slew of things because, as you mentioned, I contacted a local school here. It was Wright State University. For people who are here in Ohio, they know who that, what that state and college is. Uh, I contacted them and explained to them what I wanted to do is I wanted to start holding seminar classes on cannabis. Uh, all aspects. I didn't, what, didn't leave any part of cannabis out. I want to talk about how it interacts with the endocannabinoid system, what it does, how it does, why it does, the civil aspects of it, the civil rights of having cannabis as part of your life. We're going to cover all of that. We're going to cover growing aspects. We're going to cover the cross uh, breeding aspects. We're going to cover every cannabis that we possibly can cover going from college to college. And Wright State University is the first college that, that has stepped up and is going to allow us to do this. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and I think that we're going to tackle that at the end of the month, the beginning of April sometime. Um, we, we are going to have our first class. I'm not sure if it's going to be the last week of March or the first week of April, but one of them is we're planning on starting the seminar classes on that. Well, I think that um, that is one of the, uh, you know, for the longest time we have talked about putting on classes and seminars and workshops and you know, we've done it occasionally here and there um, in, in various different venues, in various different locations, and um, we've had a number of, of members and, and participants that have, uh, you know, put on something on some level, but I've always wanted to create a, a structured curriculum that we could, you know, unify our messaging and, and, and reach out, you know, like you say, deeper than just the civil rights side of things, but certainly not um, avoiding the civil rights side of things. And, you know, we could bring in people that have expertise on, on, on specific topics and, and, and work on and develop maybe even uh, tiered, tiered classes, have a, a 101 and a 201 type of a class. Um, right. Absolutely. But to have the structure of, of education. Education has always been paramount in our mission. Um, you know, education and support are the driving forces of the Human Solution International. It's what we're all about. We stand by each other, we support each other, and we try to teach each other and the outside about the truth, the truth about Absolutely. the plant, the truth about the rights, the truth about 
um, you know, all of these things, and, and that's all we're asking for is give the truth a chance. So right. that's super fantastic that, um, that that you got this opening, and um, we're going to be working together on, on some of these projects, and uh, I, I don't know how all those hearts just came across, but that's really cool. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, somebody's uh, going all heart yeah, happy. I love yeah. it. Anyways, um, I, I certainly want to be a part of, of developing some of these classes, and I'm going to encourage um, people that are listening to the show, members um, of the Human Solution, and, and people that just want to help. Um, we will ultimately have these uh, these classes, these, these seminars um, available as recorded uh, webinars. Uh, they'll be on the website. Available for download. Um, maybe we'll have a subscription. I don't know. Well, we're going to figure it out in the best possible way. But you know, this is the key. Right. Remember, prohibition exists because of lies, deceit, and cover-ups, and frankly, a bunch of people that got duped and not much else. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, and I think that the first class that we're going to tackle is going to be the prohibition of it. You know where where it started back in the 30s and how it started and why it started. <clears throat> you know, and it, and it comes down to really honestly, five guys didn't want to lose money. And that's really what it comes down to. They did not want to lose their industry because cannabis, they even knew back in the 30s that cannabis can and will take over every one of their industries. You, you won't, you, we don't have to destroy woods and forests and lands for that no more because cannabis can replace that. You can literally build an entire house from ground up using cannabis. They have can, uh, quickcrete that is made from hemp. They have wood that is made from hemp. They have drywall made from hemp. You can build literally an entire house ground up from nothing but hemp. You don't have to destroy nothing anymore. You don't have to tear up the ground no more trying to get the ore out. You don't have to do none of that. It will all come from cannabis. But I think that that will be our first class that we tackle and that we're going to approach on it is the actual prohibition, why it was, you know, legal, made illegal, how it become illegal. Um, and I think that would be the, the best starting point for the whole curriculum, you know, because there's a lot of people that just don't really realize, you know, and, and Peggy and I were sitting here thinking and talking, every single person hearing my voice right now and majority of people that smoke cannabis, there's a fear. There's a, you know, we we do it, you know, openly in our homes. We share it openly in our homes. But once we leave our home, it's like we got to put a shroud on because we don't want the guy looking at us knowing. You know, and there does not have to be that way no more. I am a proud cannabis user and I'm going to let every single person I come across know that I use cannabis the reason I use cannabis pharmaceuticals nearly killed me and I am not going to go back to that ever again cannabis has set me free from the pharmaceuticals from the big farm from paying somebody else big money to make me feel better well it's very true and we talk about uh you know the, the healthcare system, the medical system, the insurance companies, the um, big pharma companies, and, and doctors. And, and you know, I, I posed the question before, and I'll continue posing it because I think we just 
uh, keep the conversation alive, but if you if you look at the influencers of physicians in a medical schools, you will find that the big money comes from drug companies and insurance companies, and yep. some from the federal government. There isn't any motivation for doctors to learn how to cure people, and I, right. and I have to. That's a little counterproductive. <laughs> I mean, you know, trust me, there will always be some sickness that doctors need to deal with, but why don't we fix some of them? People talk about, you know, their 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 outrage about certain things. And if you look at the leading causes of death, I say, why don't we have an outrage over that? Heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Um, these are the three three of the top sources of our of our dying and, and it all comes from lack of information and and lack of motivation and lack of research and I it, I frankly believe that there's cures for all of these things um, and and it has more to do with um, influence and money than it does right. medicine and health and you know you touched there on on you know with cancer chemotherapy is one of the biggest lies um, if you get a doctor that is a truthful and an honest doctor they will tell you that chemotherapy is bullshit. It will kill you faster than any medicine that they give you. It, it, they're bombarding your body with radiation, which kills you even faster. And, and if you get a hold of a doctor that will be honest and tell you, they will tell you exactly that, that radiation and chemotherapy kills you faster. Cannabis will eat the cancer away. It will eat it to the point where that cancer is no longer there. If doctors would be more honest and step up and say, you know, why don't you try some Rick Simpson oil, RSO, or the FICO, the full extract cannabis plant, these things will cure you of cancer without having to have your body bombarded with radiation. You know, it, it, chemotherapy was it, it is a lie. It is a lie, and it kills people. You know, it, it's not the actual cancer that will kill somebody. Or it takes their lives. It's all the medicine that they pump into you is what you lose your life to from cancer. I watched my mom suffer for nine years with cancer, and it was the saddest thing that I had ever had to watch in my life, and I hope that nobody else has to ever go through that. It It, it, it sucks. If she was able to have cancer, I believe that she could have fought the cancer that she had and she would be able to be here with us today and she would tell you exactly the same thing. You know, uh, <clears throat> doctors just have to start being more honest. You know, they don't teach it in college. They don't even discuss it in high school when they start telling you about your body system when they start teaching you about the other 12 systems in your body they leave that 13th system out and they need to start you know it's education 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 i cannot say that word enough education is the key people need to be educated well i couldn't agree more i want to get back to your uh, your case here and Peggy had just posted something. I'm just going to read it straight up. Um, and then if you have anything you want to add to it, I want, I want you to. Um, and, and she wrote, if anyone is willing and able to write a letter to help us, 
We would both appreciate it. Right to the Honorable Judge Jeffrey R. Ing- Ingraham, Ingram. I-N-G-R-A-H-A-M, about Peggy That's Kimmel and Glenn Keeling. Ask him for compassion and a speedy dismissal without prejudice. We are both MMJ patients, and I have MS and Glenn has Crohn's. The address is Court of Common Pleas, Mercer County, Ohio, 101 North Main Street, Selena, Ohio, C-E-L-I-N-A, 45822. Please help us reach out if you can. We are at risk of losing our home and spending a lot of time in jail over a plant we use medicinally. Um, Glenn, do you have anything you want to add to that? I, I do. Uh, just really quick. Um, you, you, if people, the more letters that come to the judge about this case, the more that he will see that there is a big following. And, and um, like I said, we have 22 of them. We're going to mail the, the final ones that we have here, which we go up to 22 have sent him so far. But, yes. If anybody wants to, just write him a letter, letting him know how unjust this is, how unconstitutionally incorrect, and how it goes against our uh, rights as human beings to use this medicine by the state law. state says that if you have a doctor's recommendation, you can use this plant. So that's exactly what we did. Well, um, we've been very successful over the over the past years with letter writing campaigns, for some reason, um, it's it's a thing people seem to be willing to do. So I want to reach out and, and, and encourage anybody. I will write a letter tonight, and um, I'll send it both to the address here, and I'll, I'll email you a copy of it so that you can print it and do it. Jeffrey R. Ingram, 
he is a very good judge. He does read every letter that comes in. It's not like he, you know, grabs a letter and he throws it into a file somewhere. He does actually read these letters that people send. He is a he's a very fair and just uh, judge. He's been doing this for twenty some years, um, and he does he does every letter does help. Um, so the more letters that he receives, the better chance. I mean, it does look better for us, and it does help out, <clears throat> not just for us, but for anyone. If you find somebody or hear of somebody that is going through a cannabis case somewhere, encourage every single person to find out all the information you possibly can and send them, that judge, a letter. Letter writing is, like Joe said, is one of the biggest, strongest messages that any court system can get, especially if you have the backup and the support of thousands of people from all over. <clears throat> and it's a demonstration of public sentiment. When we come together um, with one voice, and, and it, it, it works in a protest, it works in the courtroom, it works when we're writing letters, when we're making phone calls, it works when we do it together, when we stand together, lock arms in unity, put our egos aside, don't worry about the, the uniform you're wearing. Um, let's just do it because it needs to be done. And, and, and that's what makes a difference. Well, Glenn, you have um, recently been adopted as our official outreach coordinator on a national level, um, and we're going to be defining what that means and, and, and the things that you'll be reaching out with um, but I think it's important that um, you know, people have a way to get a hold of you because as you're reaching out, others are going to be reaching in, and you're going to be fielding things as well as, as sending them out. So how does somebody get a hold of you um, either to participate um, in support of your case or to participate in your chapter in Ohio or to participate on a national level? Um, how does somebody get a hold of you? I am very easily to find. I'm on Facebook. I have a public Facebook there under Glenn Keeling, K-E-E-L-I-N-G. Um, <clears throat> or you can just simply give me a call. My phone number is 419-863-0498. Give me a call. Even if it's just that you need to talk, I'm here to listen. I will offer whatever advice I possibly can. That again, that number is four one nine eight six three zero four nine eight. Oh, Peggy posted it. Yay! Fantastic. All right, Glenn. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I I expect we'll be talking tomorrow morning first thing, and um, you know, I, I I applaud your work. I applaud I applaud your effort under duress, and I encourage everybody to get that letter out and uh, share it. I will I will write a letter tonight and share it on my public page so people can see what it looks like. Um, it takes about 10 minutes to do. It's really, if even that, most of the time is finding a pen and a paper and an envelope and a stamp, and it takes a few minutes to write a paragraph down. You don't have to write a novel, literally uh, three or four lines. Identify who you are, identify that you that you know the person, and identify what your point is, and that's it. You don't. It doesn't have to be a big project. Uh, so, anyways, Glenn, thank you so much. And uh, Peggy, I certainly hope you're feeling better. I sent you out another little package uh, yesterday, so you should be receiving that um, in the next couple of days. 
Thank you so much, Joe. You, I, we really appreciate everything that you do for us um, on the air and personally what you do. Very grateful. And thank you again for having me on. You guys have a great evening. Oh, you betcha. All right, take care. All right, once again, Glenn Keeling from Ohio. Okay, let's see. we got non-compliant Mary with something to say. I always like to hear what she's got to say. Um, and then to wrap the show up, we have Tom Corby with the NorCal report. So um, hopefully um, we'll have enough people calling in. Oh, Lisa's got a little something to say, too. Oh, okay, excellent. We've got, got, a little, got a little more going on. Hopefully we can, we can keep the mo going. The mojo. Um, all right, let's talk about elections. Uh, in September, uh, the Human Solution will be having its um, biannual, I guess, every other year we have an election. And um, every position in the Human Solution International is an elected one. So um, everything from uh, secretary to board members to uh, vice president, CEO, all of it, we are all elected. And I encourage everybody to participate. I don't know of any other organization that allows every member to run for office. I don't know of any organization that allows every member to vote. Everybody can vote. Everybody can run. Um, it makes us organic, transparent, and flexible. If there's something that's important enough to do something about, come aboard. Help us. We can uh, use, we appreciate uh, your point of view as long as it fits our mission of uh, protecting and, and, and supporting civil rights and working towards the ultimate goal of ending cannabis prohibition, hey, we can do it. So it's important. September, coming up, there will be more details as we approach. Uh, we had a board meeting last week, uh, last Thursday. And as an organization, we have um, worked hard to have a board that is more than just a um, you know, just a puff position. Um, the board is, we rely on the board. We rely on the board for our, um, the direction. We rely on the board for um, ideas, creativity. We rely on the board for action. We're, we're the, the primary volunteers, to be honest. Most of the things that get done, get done by the board. Um, so, I encourage people to participate. Our board meetings are open. If you know about it and you want to participate, we'll uh, let you in. It's a conference call. You can join. We encourage, um, you know, we encourage all membership to participate in this organization. So last Thursday we did have a board meeting and we talked about a bunch of things. We talked about um, fundraising and. Uh, I brought up the fact that we finally got paid on our Amazon Smile account, and I talked about that every so often. I don't, you know, want to necessarily beat that drum too loud, but it's a good drum to beat. Amazon Smile. How many of us use Amazon? I use it for a lot of things. You can set up a Smile account, which is the same as Amazon, and um, what happens is, is you choose an organization that you want to support with your purchases. You select that organization, which so happens you can choose the Human Solution International, and then when you buy anything, 
instead of just typing in Amazon.com, you type in smile.amazon.com. And not every single thing that's on regular Amazon is on Smile, but most things are. And what happens is, is every single thing that you buy doesn't cost you more. You're not paying any more than you would normally pay. But a couple of pennies, it's a very small percentage of every purchase Amazon donates to your charity of choice. And so this last quarter, uh, we received 40-some dollars, less than 50, more than 40. And um, we're grateful. What I want to say about that is that's a separate fundraiser. And I encourage, ultimately, it will be the board that decides where the money goes, but I encourage participation. If you are an Amazon Smile member and you have chosen the Human Solution as your um, charity, prove it. Send me something that shows that you've donated. In fact, actually, um, I'll, I'll post up what you can do. There's a When you sign on, it'll say there's a button you can push that shows your contribution, and it'll, it'll tell us how much you donated and that it went to the Human Solution. It takes three or four months before we actually get it, but it'll show that you actually are a participant. If you're a participant, you have a voice on how that money gets spent. So all you have to do is show us a little picture that says, hey, I donated, and here's how I want to see the money spent. And we will bring it to the next board meeting, and we will adopt uh, a policy with the money that we receive based on the information from the people that have donated. So um, we appreciate it. We value it, and we give you um, the, the reins. We have no admin fees on this. Um, it doesn't cost, you don't, you know, there's no general fund. The, 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 the leaders of the human solution don't get a salary, so it all goes to what we decide it goes to. Um, you can't beat that. There's not another organization like us out there in the universe, I can assure you. Um, all right, so in the board meeting, we not only talked about that, we talked about um, an auction, and we will be putting up an auction page on the website. If it's not up there today, it'll be up there soon. And the auction I have always found to be a good way to raise money. People have items, um, people have items that they're willing to donate, and people are more willing to bid on an item than give money to charities. That's cool. Um, honey, if you could grab that picture that we have that we're gonna we're gonna put onto the auction, I'd like to see it. We got a a, a, a picture or a print of Dennis Perone, one of the pioneers of California medical marijuana, uh, who just recently passed away, and we're going to be putting that up as an auction item. So um, I'll show you that picture here pretty quick. Anyways, um, if you want have an item that you want to uh, donate for the auction, um, we ask that you take a picture of it, put a description, um, send it to us and then be willing to ship it to the winner, and we'll cover the shipping costs. So that way we don't have to warehouse these things. Um, you know, if you have it, basically um, we'll put it up on the site. When it gets purchased, um, you know, we'll figure it out, what we have to do to, to ship it. Um, the next thing that happened is we had a few voids um, or, or people wearing too many hats and um, – as I mentioned earlier, Glenn Keeling had raised his hand and agreed to take over as an outreach coordinator. And so we adopted him in that position. 
and we will be identifying more clearly what that means. Um, and we're excited about that because our outreach is one of the most important elements of, of the human solution, reaching out and, and getting our message out there. Um, when we're doing activities, when we have somebody who needs our help, when there's a case that we're supporting, um, all of those things require outreach. And so um, we're excited to have somebody willing to take that on. We had um, Pete Yapel from our new chapter in New York. He agreed to be our secretary. And um, we've been without an official secretary for a little while now, and so it's exciting that we've got somebody that's filled that role. And so it's going to help keep our compliance um, together, going to help keep our minutes right, and, um, you know, get our our statement of information filed annually um, correctly. So uh, we're real grateful for that. And then finally, uh, Albert Thomas has stepped up and agreed to be our new membership coordinator. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Um, our membership, we have really worked hard to be valuable. And one of the things that, um, in my opinion, adds to that value is some symbol that, that recognizes it. And our membership card and our membership package, the the ability to call yourself a member to me is is an important thing. I'm a card carrying member. Um, I don't probably have to be. I could probably technically be a Hardway member or a Lifetime member or whatever. But I'm a 420 member. I pay my dues every month, four dollars and twenty cents, and I do it gladly. And I pay my wife's dues, and my daughter pays the dues, and and you know just about everybody in our family is a card-carrying member of the human solution. It's something that um, it, it helps carry the load. We don't have a lot of bills. We have a, um, you know, a website that we produce, and uh, we produce printed materials that are used to support people. If you have a court case, we, we print up materials. We have um, ribbons we make that are used to show our solidarity, show our support in courtrooms. Um, you know, we've literally made probably 10,000 ribbons over the years, and I wear my ribbon proudly. I wear mine right over my heart. You know, you want to feel my heartbeat, boom, there it is. There's a ribbon sitting on top of it. I live and breathe this ribbon. I, I, I believe very strongly that this ribbon exemplifies, identifies who we are and what we're here for. And anytime I'm out in the public somewhere and I see somebody else wearing a ribbon that I don't know, and I don't know where they got it from, it's the greatest feeling in the world because I know we're connected and I know there's something that we share that's important and it causes me to know that I can approach them and um, probably talk about anything very quickly. And I know that if I need somebody to have my back and I see somebody wearing a ribbon, I'd say, hey, you, I need your help. And they'd probably step up and help. So uh, this ribbon is a very important symbol and, and it's part of our membership. Um, so Albert Thomas is um, in route today from Hawaii to New Mexico, but I believe he's going to be swinging by tomorrow, um, and we're going to shoot a little live feed, just him and I, and uh, we'll talk about membership. He's going to receive all of his membership stuff. Um, so, you know, we had a great board meeting. We had participation from all the members, and, um, you know, it's exciting to watch uh, these campaigns get, get going. The How Come campaign, um, these educational campaigns, 
and uh, getting some fundraising off the ground is, is, is important stuff. All right, we have non-compliant Mary. Um, if anybody has ever doubted the existence of woodland fairies with magical properties, <laughs> you've never met Mary. Uh, she's an incredible creature full of creativity and, and wisdom, and um, I, I, from the minute I, I met her several years ago, um, I, I knew she belonged in our in our ranks, and uh, when she agreed to uh, run for the board, I was excited, and now she's participating in the show and just is such a match to our efforts. So uh, without further ado, um, hopefully I'm not embarrassing you, but Mary, I know your secrets. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, I wanted to underscore what you were saying about being a part of the human solution that you get to meet such really cool people. It's, oh, I guess I can only speak about me. I've, you know, I've been around for a while, and I've met some great people, and I've met a lot of turds. <laughs> I've met people that, are, that don't think about other people and, I don't know, mean and angry or whatever. So when I meet people of substance and depth and that they're willing to go out on a limb to help somebody else, I really stop and pay attention, and that's been my experience with the human solution. So I say that you're either part of the problem or the human solution because it takes us to turn things around, and I really think that we can do it. So I'm happy to be a part. I'm just a small part, but I love my part, and I love being a part of it. So what I really wanted, I so wanted to say that, number one. But number two, we were talking about freedom in the very beginning, and I think freedom is something that we don't ask politely for, that we insist on and we demand, and we give it freely to others. But I think that it starts with us, and that's one thing that I'm not quiet about. It amazes me that so many of us are willing to let some other person that we've never met, that may not even live in our state, that has, knows nothing about us, decide what we can and cannot do. They also decide that there are certain toxins that we're told are poisonous, that they insist on being injected into our children. And there's so many things that other people are deciding for us that I say, why are we allowing this to happen? An example, and this is much less impactful, but it was a big deal to us. Where we live, they don't like the color red for a house. So we like the color red. It's the original, one of the original earth colors, California red bud. So we went and our house was celery green, and we painted it red. Not fire engine red, but brick red, a deep, strong red, of color of strength, and something that you don't shrink into the background. And the head of the CSD came along, and he says, you have to stop this immediately. You didn't ask for permission. I said, well, you know, I'm one of the first people to build here, and this is the third time I'm painting. And no one's ever said a problem before. He says, well, we don't like red. And I said, well, I said, you don't even live in this town, do you? Do you drive past my house? And so he says, well, no, I don't. He says, but, but we don't like red. He says, so you have to stop it. Stop right away. Cease and desist. So I listened to him respectfully because I want to be treated respectful. So I was respectful to him. So he drove off, and the contractor is standing there waiting to see what's going to happen in all this drama. 
And so then I said, well, keep on painting. He says, well, you were just told to stop. I said, well, he said that he doesn't like the color red. I said, I think that people in my neighborhood who pass his house would have more of a problem with a half-celery greenhouse and a half-brick red house rather than an all-brick red house. So I'm going to err on the side of adventure here and say, go for it. So he completed it, and we were brought to court three times over the painting of our house. That's just CSD court, so there's not a judge, but there is a panel of five people that know nothing and decide everything. So very much like our real judicial system. And so we went in there, shot down the first time. Ah, dang. Then we went in there again, shot down the second time. So we go in for our third and final appeal on the only red house in our entire town. And by that time, we'd learned how to speak, what to say, and what not to say. We'd learned that you don't stand on righteousness, but you try to bring in facts and try to be respectful and insist on being treated that way. We got a standing ovation. Our house is red, and people actually beep their horn in the front when they pass by sometimes and you know, put their hand out with a thumb up, not the middle finger, the thumb, so it was a good sign. And, you know, we're, so anyway, freedom is important to me. That's what I wanted to say, and I think that we can get it back for those of us that have given it up. Well, you know, you, you exemplified what is often required to get freedom. You have to insist on it. You have to keep it. If they tell you no once, ask again. If they tell you no again, ask again. Ask until they won't listen to you to ask anymore. And, yeah. and I know personal experience with my case or my cases. I mean, I, I, I fought a total of, I think it was 24 felonies over three cases when it was all said and done. If I would have done what they wanted me to do, which was just roll over and take a deal, Today I would be a felon, and I would have less freedom than I even have. And and it was only because I insisted, <laughs> and sometimes yes. vehemently, sometimes at, at at the risk of being locked up, sometimes politely. But I always insisted on my freedom, on my rights, on my constitutional rights that were given to me and everybody else, not by the lawmakers, but rather by my Creator. And I just insist on those things. <laughs> And I've watched you do that more than once, not only with your house, but with your freedom regarding your case and, and, and other things. And I find that that's the one thing that separates us from all the people that, that get pushed over is just simply insisting and, and being effective about it, not being um, combative, not being um, anarchic, anarchist about it, but being um, with purpose and with thought and operating with the system as much as you need to, but to be effective by whatever means necessary. And, and effective is the key. And you certainly exemplified that. And no, they hit me again. It's the third disconnection. I just, they're beating me up here today. But this is it. We just keep signing back on, and we keep on, we keep on feeding it. There we go. Live one more time. All right. So, Mary, uh, as always, a treat to, to hear your, uh, your your stories, your uh, experiences, more than stories, and you are an inspiration to me because I know where you've come from. I I know you know more about you every time that we meet, and uh, you know you exemplify the goodness in humanity and the spirit that you know I think is is 
a common thread amongst us all. We all, somewhere inside of us, have a hunger for freedom, have a hunger for liberty. We don't like to be locked up. We don't like to be constrained. We don't like to be bound. We frankly don't like to be told what to do. And as long as it's not hurting somebody else or causing an infringement on their rights, I just still have yet to understand why it is we should be um, bound up. So thank you so much I, for I, I, all yeah, right. I want to add one thing, that people get hung up on the word obey. We're, we're taught to obey authority. When we, If we just stop for a moment and think about that, that uh, being respectful to authority, certainly, listening and being attentive, certainly, but obeying another person suggests that that person knows better than us. And once we're adults and we've been around in the world a little bit and you realize that legal and lawful – the, you know, lawful is that you don't do harm to another person or their their things. Legal is a set of rules and regulations that corporations make up. Why should I be bound by rules and regulations, let's say, that AT&T or um, PG&E or Verizon, that any corporation makes, why should I be bound by them? But when these corporations start, you know, infiltrating our government and making laws, then I'm told to obey a rule or a regulation so some corporation can have a bigger profit margin, which has nothing to do with my life, and I just don't understand why people would necessarily obey those things, why we even let that happen. So that's in there, too. All right, Mary, well, we got a couple of new callers that popped on while you were uh, oh, uh, talking. Yeah, I see them. Yeah, we'll get back to it. Thank you so much. Once again, Noncompliant Mary, not only our amazing screener, but a member of our board, and uh, we appreciate all of her input. Okay, um, let's talk about priorities. You know, we go through life, and there are things that say to us, do this, or don't do this. We wake up in the morning and our, our body requires certain things from us or we'll be very uncomfortable. So we do certain things because we find it necessary. You know, we drink water because we're thirsty. We eat because we're hungry. Uh, we go to the restroom because we feel the need to do those things. You know, those are big priorities. We wear clothes because we're cold or because we're modest or whatever the hell reason why we wear clothes, but I think mostly because, you know, it, it, they protect us more than anything. We wear shoes on our feet when we wear shoes on our feet to keep our feet from getting cut up. Um, priorities, we, we find shelter to live under. We, we find a, a home of some sort. Um, most of us find a way to, to bring in an income, whether um, whether it's because of a disability we have or, or a gainful employment or or creating a job or, or, or being an entrepreneur, whatever it is. Um, we find that we prioritize our lives. Um, and, I, and I find that our priorities sometimes become misguided as we have our needs met. And I find that the people that have their needs met the most, in some cases, have their priorities maybe, I don't know, unhealthy. And I find that as you are in a situation of survival that your priorities become very real. 
if you've ever been locked up for any reason, your priorities become very real. If you've ever gotten very sick, your priorities get very real. If you've ever had a loved one who has had something like that happen, your priorities get very real. Um, you stop caring about things that don't matter and you start caring more about things that do matter. If you've lost a loved one, um, you know, your priorities get real. And I want to just tell you a little story that happened yesterday. And, um, you know, I've got a little business and I make hemp-based products and skincare products and pain relief products and all kinds of things that uh, in some way or another the plant has something to do with. And I'm um, really proud of the company. And um, we were I was getting ready to go make a delivery. I have a client who has a tea house in Orange County. And I've been doing business with her for more than six months, but never gone to meet her. And so finally I set my priority. I'm going to go and have a meeting with you. And I had a little package all put together, and I was in my car, and I was driving down the road, driving down the freeway. And I'm going the speed limit, going 70 miles an hour, and, and uh, everybody, you know, a lot of cars on the road, traffic was reasonably heavy, but everybody was moving good, no problems. All of a sudden, without any warning, the car in front of me hit the brakes really hard. Um, I've had a lot of experience on the road. I was not in a dangerous position, so I was able to brake hard and, and, and keep a distance away from the car in front of me. I look back in my back mirror, and I see bearing down on me a black car, and I, I, I knew instantly that I wasn't going to be able to get away from this car unless I could, you know, somehow get away from where I was at. She was going to end up where I was in the best-case scenario. And so I pulled to the left. I was in the fast lane, and I, I, I turned my wheel to the left in the hopes that I could get over onto the shoulder and, and miss her. Um, but she hit me, and um, she hit me with such a force that slammed me into the guardrail that was in front of me. And it was, it all happened very quickly, but as it was happening, I felt like I had some control over the situation because I saw it coming. You know, some people say, I don't want to see it coming. I want to see it coming. At least it gives me the freedom to try to do something about it. And, and fortunately, I believe if I hadn't have seen it coming, I would have been hit square in the back and it would have probably slammed me into the vehicle in front of me and I probably would have taken more personal injury and I would have hit the car in front of me and had a liability there. But because I was turned just a little bit, uh, the impact, the inertia from her car hitting my car um, was deflected and it, it was almost like a pit maneuver and it spun me into the wall and I wasn't going that fast at the time now and so my impact against the wall was not life-threatening. and destroyed my car, but, um, you know, left me feeling like I played a football game, but nothing was broken, nothing was um, permanently damaged, and I was able to, to get out of the car and walk away from it. And as I'm walking around the car, first thing I did was, you know, make sure I could feel my fingers and my toes and sort of take an assessment of my faculties, you know, am I still all here? Uh, do I know who I am, where I am? Going through a mental checklist. And then the lady that hit me gets out of her car, and she 
she walks up to me, and she's visibly shaken. I mean, she was really shaken. And I could tell after a very small, you know, minute, half a few seconds probably, that she was shaken for probably more than one reason. And I'm making a little bit of a judgment because I was there and I, I witnessed it in a way that nobody else could have or would have. But she had a, a an unsettled demeanor because she knew she did this to me. She wasn't paying attention for whatever reason, and I don't know if she was looking at her phone or paying attention to something else. I don't know what she was doing, but when I when she began to decelerate, it was way too late, and she knew it, and she was going through something like I was going through, only the other side of it. Oh, shit, I'm going to hit this guy, and I can't stop it. And I think she could have reacted differently. Maybe had she turned her wheel, um, she might have missed me. But I believe, based on her, the way she acted and reacted, that she was on some kind of medication. And her disconnectedness and her unsettledness told me she wasn't really dealing with what happened. And I was clear-headed, and, and um, you know, I was getting ready to go to a business meeting, so I chose to be very clear-headed at the time. Unfortunately, I, I, I couldn't blame anything that happened on anything I did or didn't do. And then she went back to her car. She, she asked me if I was all right. And I was like, well, I'm still walking, but I'm having a pretty crappy day. Um, I don't now have a vehicle, and I'm not going to be able to make these appointments I set out to, and uh, I now have a lot of things to deal with. And, uh, and by the way, I hurt. I hurt my neck, my back, my leg, my knee. Um, all because of you. I didn't say that, but I thought it certainly loudly. And I asked her how she was doing because I cared. I don't want to see anybody, you know, be hurt. And she had a brand new Mercedes. And fortunately, um, the way she hit me, uh, like I said, it was like a pit maneuver. Her front bumper hit my back bumper and didn't cause a lot of damage to her vehicle. In fact, she was able to drive away. But it was my impact against the wall that did most of the damage. Um, and she says, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not okay, is what she said to me. I said, are you all right? She says, no, I'm not. And then she went back to her car, and she stayed in the car the whole time this was going on. And she called um, 911, and the fire department comes up, and they talked to her first. I was sitting on the guardrail at the time. And everybody talked to this lady first, the lady who hit me. And the fire department came up, and they talked to her for a little while, and then they finally came up and talked to me and asked me if I was all right. Did I need medical attention? I said, well, I'm beat up, but I've been beat up before. I know I, I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need medical attention. I'm not, you know, I don't want to spend your time and your money um, and have to deal with anything. So um, he says, well, you know, if you go to the emergency room, they're going to probably tell you to ice it down and take some ibuprofen. I says, I know. I says, I, I, I'm, I'm not seriously injured. I'll, I'll be all right. And he thanked me, and he walked away. Then the law enforcement showed up, California Highway Patrol, and he comes walking up, and he talks to the lady for a little while, and then he comes over to me and asks me for my license, registration, and insurance. And I didn't have my insurance card with me, but I'd already called my wife, and she was on her way with it. I entered my license and registration. He didn't. He asked me what happened. I told him. He 
didn't really seem all that damn concerned with my well-being. Um, and and I, I, I'm not here to judge him. I'm just saying that's what that's what it seemed like. He didn't really have much to say. He took my stuff and left. Um, and while I was trying to find my phone and so I could call everybody that I needed to, I started thinking, and I'm looking in my car, and I'm going, wow, I'm not carrying anything today. And maybe this is one of the only times I've not carried something, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm, I'm okay to be in an accident. And then I'm thinking to myself, what the hell would I even have to think that for? Why should I think that if I had some cannabis in my car that I should have to worry about that? If I was not impaired in any way, clearly I wasn't when I was talking to the cop. He didn't even question that. Um, there should be no worry. I shouldn't have to worry about what's in my car. But, of course, I had to give my car sort of a once-over because I didn't know if somebody was going to go poking through it. And I didn't, through no fault of my own, remember, I caused no harm here. I didn't do anything. There was no reason that I should have had to worry. But yet I had to think about is there any cannabis in my car that I have to worry about? And I thought about that. And I thought about priorities. And I thought about, you know, this lady, for whatever reason, she never got out of her car after that. She never um, said anything. When everything was all said and done, I went up to her car and I asked her if she was all right. And she didn't say another word. She's like, mm, you know, she's going to be okay. But, and then that was it. And then later on, last night, I saw a show, and in the show, one of the characters uh, was arrested. And this character had a, a lot to lose by being arrested, and, and she played the part very well. She had a, a look of terror as she realized she was going to get booked, and she said, you know, please, you can't do this. It's going to ruin my life. There's going to be a major consequence. And it's the thing that happens to every one of us when you get arrested, for pot especially, it, 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 it completely changes your whole entire life. Whatever you relied upon um, as your credibility or whatever, maybe your job, maybe your whatever, getting arrested usually causes it a serious disruption, your ability to make money, whatever. People lose their, their houses, their businesses, their livelihoods. They end up homeless. They end up, you know, dying because they can't get medical care. There's all these things that happen as a result of cannabis prohibition, and it happens all the time. And then the converse of this, and that's kind of the point of this whole story, is that so many people, and I mean so many people, that are involved in the cannabis industry in some way, shape, or form, or people even that are affected and use cannabis, people that value cannabis, people that see it as a good thing, as a way to make money, as a way to heal people, whatever it is, they find it valuable. They don't prioritize the effort that it takes to bring the freedom that we need. I don't ever see it being a priority to virtually anybody, even most of the people that get busted. They're so busy doing their own thing, they don't bother reaching out for help in a meaningful way. There's people today going to trial right now and just would never bother to, to ask for help. Or, or participate with another group. They're busy doing their own damn thing. And, it, and I struggle to deal with this. When the priorities get real, when your life is on the line, when something major happens to you and you have to reflect, again, as I'm looking in my rearview mirror, see a car bearing down on me, I'm like, 
Here we go again. I might die in three seconds. I hope I got my shit in order. Priorities. Every week we do this show. We do this show because it's a priority. We do this show because it's important. We do this show because I believe it can and does make a difference. I do believe that this show and the efforts that we make are making a change in the world that needs to be made. And I'm asking you, the listeners, anybody who's paid any attention to this, think about what are your priorities. What are you willing to do to help end prohibition? What are you willing to do? I bet you you could shift something and give this a little more priority. That's my request. All right, I got Pete Yapel on the line right now, and uh, we've got a great update coming from New York. Pete's been working really hard. Also, a new chapter coordinator, a new rising star in our organization, and we're very pleased to have him and his wife, Helen, as 420 members, as um, uh, new chapter coordinators, and, of course, as our new secretary. Pete, welcome to the show, and I'm uh, looking forward to hear about the development of your new pro- program and project. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm always doing great, Joe. Sorry to hear about your accident. Uh, I just want to add a little bit of something to what you were saying uh, quickly. Uh, absolutely, prioritizing and responsibility. Every single day we all are. Listen, with all of the things that are going on around us that make the big news and they're so tragic and this, that, and the thing, a lot of times can be solved, and not by eliminating guns and not by doing this and that and the other thing. The way they can be is to take care of this stuff on the front half. Case in point, my stepdaughter went to the laundromat today, put her money in the change machine to get her thing out, and one of the little kids that was running around stepped right in front of her and just started grabbing handfuls of her quarter right out, quarters right out. Well, the mother thought it was hilarious. Well, mind you, my stepdaughter had a hold of his wrist and didn't find it too funny. But these are the things that, these are the things that we can do. We can stop our children's actions by parenting rather than worrying about hurting their feelings. Because that's what I think a lot of it is, is, oh, my gosh, let's not hurt these kids' feelings. Oh, please, man, I have my feelings, my rear end, and everything else hurt. And, you know, and I never shot up a school, nor did anybody in my generation. So, I mean, we got, we got to take responsibility. got to take responsibility on that. And we have to take responsibility when it comes to illness and people's rights and, and people being able to treat the way they want. And that's need to and want to. And that's why your show is so important. That's why I try to do my show. Um, but uh, 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 the importance of us stopping things or, or not making things our last choice, for Christ's sakes. Like you're saying, you had to worry about whether you had weed in the car or anything. I mean, we shouldn't have that worry. I mean, that just shouldn't even be a worry. That shouldn't be a panic, a thing that sends a panic through us that, oh, shit, I might be going to prison. You know, I, I mean, and, and it's, it's unfair. But anyway, sorry about that. I just, just listening in, I, I, I mean, I just get sick and tired of people wondering what they can do or passing the buck or blaming, blaming, blaming. Listen, take some responsibility and do something. Whatever your fight is, mine is cannabis, mine is my health, mine is uh, people's rights that are being violated, mine is the earth. You know, those are the things that I fight, and I fight for them every day. I don't take a pause, I don't take a minute to stop, because the stuff that's going on against it never stops. Someone's always polluting, there's always an oil leakage, there's always something screwed up about our water or our food. I mean, there, there are people out there dying that could use the cannabis as treatment, and even if they 
quality of life which they deserve, not which they have to earn, not which they have to be documented for, not for any of that. This is just their friggin' right as a human being on this planet. So Helen and I, in all we do, and believe me, we do a lot, guys. Uh, every day, every day is just filled, and it's filled and overflowed. And if you can help, please reach out to us at Can We Talk four twenty four four two. It's our Can We Talk four two o dot com net edu whatever you name it. You put it in at the end, you'll get to our site. Uh, if you need to, or if you can volunteer. We have lots of people on there that we're associated with. Joe is on our website as one of our, our industry professionals. There's people all over on there. But right now we're getting ready on the 16th, two Fridays from this evening, to start a series of classes in Sugarloaf, New York, uh, just Cannabis 101 it's called. If you go to Facebook and you put it in your search engine and put Cannabis 101, you'll see Sugarloaf, New York. Click on that. That's our link, man. Uh, if, if you cannot make the event, we will be videotaping these events. We're going to be putting them up on uh, – I'm going to be offering them, obviously, and giving them to the Human Solutions to do as they want. If they want to put them on there, put them on there. If we want to create a webinar, whatever we decide as a group, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll uh, be there. And it will be available, too, uh, on my website and my pages and such. And Sage Abdel, uh, Sage is another person. It's Scott and Lori Albert. I mean, we've got just a bunch of great professionals um, that that we work with or refer to a lot is more than it is. I mean, even though we do work with these people, we refer people to these. If, I, if there's something I can't do for someone, believe me, I know there's an industry for, I know of an industry professional that can. So uh, please look out for us. But this cannabis 101 thing, it's gonna, it is really truly going to open eyes and uh, open willing eyes, you know. And people that are leery, these are people that are coming to a holistic studio. And the woman that owns it, Denise Orzek, wonderful woman. Look her up. She's an RN. She's a Reiki master. She's a massage therapist. And believe me, this woman does a little bit of everything. But I respect her because she was in the medical profession and realized that it's not always the best way to treat in the Western form. And I call what the way I treat traditional because it was around before no one Western medicine was even thought of. So uh, traditional teachings, and uh, she's, a, she's a wonderful woman, and she's been speaking to her clients, and this is something they're interested in and um, wanting to know more about, and we're going to truly break it down, starting at the endocannabinoid system and the ABCs of CBDs and things like that in our first class, just to generalize, familiarize people, let them know, have an understanding, give a little bit of history of cannabis, also history on us. History on uh, solidarity over separation in the New York chapter of Human Solutions. You know, we're going to educate and let people know, listen, there are resources available to you. They're not going to be hard to understand. They can be broken down into layman's terms. There are nerds like me that read all the scientific crap. But listen, I have to know that. I can't tell somebody about something if I don't know what I'm talking about. So... I, I, I don't ever expect anybody to pick up a periodical a lot of times and be interested in what's written or be able to follow it. It, it takes a long time to be able to do so. But listen, there's an easy way to break it down and to put it in layman's terms. And honestly, that's what me and Helen are going to do and are going to start to do on the sick of this month. You know, along with our dinners that we have twice a week and 
uh, now because it's supposed to be twice a month. But, I mean, it's been overwhelming, Joe. Literally overwhelming I, the Alps thing, you know? I, yeah. I, I fully get, know. <laughs> well, I think it's fantastic yeah, yeah. the work you're doing. And, uh, you know, doing the outreach like that is always a value. And uh, communicating with the people uh, that are willing to take it in is fantastic. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, participating in this in this project. And uh, if somebody wants to get involved in your chapter up there in New York, how does somebody get a hold of you personally? Okay, they can call my phone number. I don't mind giving my phone number out like a lot of people. You'll probably get my voicemail if I don't recognize it at first. But it's eight four five five two two. 3162. Please reach out there. You can reach out to Tana We Talk 420 at gmail.com. Um, you can reach out at Solidarity Over Separation, T H S I at gmail.com. Pretty much the three entities that we've really got going within the, the cannabis community, you know, other than my Facebook page, Cannabis Country, but you know, my Facebook pages, God bless them, they got me uh, a lot of great friends, and it introduced me to a lot of people, I should say, and it's always available there for information. It just seems that it gets clogged up a lot, you know, with people wanting to put, you know, a, a lot of funny things up there and such, but, you know, my site, everybody, is truly an educational site, as well, everything we do, because we believe if we're, knowledge is free, it should be free. It's not something anybody owns, and if, you know, if we know something, there's nothing wrong, which there's nothing wrong, it's truly our obligation at this point in time to share. And Joe, Helen just walked in. I'm not sure I want to say hi. Hi, Joe. Hey, Helen, how's it going? It's going great. We were just talking about awesome. we were talking about the project yeah. with the tech element and such. Oh, we got a yeah, lot I'm of stuff going on. It's just... Proud and excited to hear about all that's going on. And uh, looking forward to hearing about all the good work that's going on up in Sugarloaf and um, these dinners you're putting on. All of this stuff is, is fantastic. So I'm just real uh, real grateful for you guys uh, uh, carrying the mantle and uh, watching the, the light burn brightly out there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's unfortunate for our area at this point in time because we did have an interview set up with candidates for the for the upcoming election at our local, and something happened. There was a scheduled conflict, but we all know that this happens every time in the cannabis community, whether it's an event we're throwing, whether it's an interview, whether it's something. Something always comes up, but it's okay because I address myself as a civil rights and a human rights organization, right. and if they want to sit back, and I did not come at them as a cannabis organization, I came back to them as a human rights and a civil rights organization, and if they don't want to take the time to answer my questions, oh, well, that'll look real good in the newspaper someday because that's just about where I'm at with it. And uh, it, it's been the candidates that are in office and those that are the, one, the incumbents and those that are running. Everybody dodges you like a bullet that's when right. you want to ask them the real questions right. and the hard questions, that's especially right. when I've had nine people, three of which we've known personally to that's our right. family, die from heroin overdose in the last three weeks. And someone that was supplying those drugs, we happen to know, that is thankfully in jail. And I do say thankfully because, listen, when you're killing people, you, you, you don't you don't deserve to be anywhere else. Heroin is not cannabis, and that's where I stand. I could agree with 
I appreciate you taking a few minutes and uh, sharing your news, and um, I especially appreciate all the hard work you're doing. And uh, I can see the beacon burning bright from all the way over 3,000 miles away. You make a difference. Amen, brother. Hey, listen, I'm going to call you tomorrow on a personal note anyway. I need to talk with you, so uh, I'll give you a shout sometime, probably mid-morning your time, if that works. Sounds good. I'll be around. Okay, Joe. All right. Well, thanks, man. And thanks to everybody. Please volunteer if you can. Yes, absolutely. Solidarity over separation in New York. Okay, um, we got about seven minutes left and a couple of callers left. We got Bobby and Colleen. And then, of course, Tom Corby with the NorCal report. Um, but before all this, and we'll go a little long if we have to, like we always do, um, we're going to do a drawing. I have the, all of the members, or at least as far as I know, all of the members of the Human Solution in this box on very, very small pieces of paper. Now, if you're a member of the Human Solution, it means you have one of these. This is a membership card. Okay. Now, how do you get a membership card? You either have a membership the hard way, which means you have been in jail for this plant, and it doesn't have to be for a very long time. Plenty of our hard way members were, spent a night in jail, but they stood and fought their case, and they didn't have a pot to piss in, they didn't have money to put for their membership, but they were willing to stand and fight. That entitles you to a Hardway membership. We also have volunteer members. We don't have a lot of volunteer members, but there's a handful of people that have actually volunteered and also are in a situation where they don't have <coughs> even a few extra dollars. I don't ever want there to be a scenario where your lack of money precludes you from being able to be a member of this organization legitimately. Then the... Uh, Regular membership, okay, it's really simple. They, we have a couple of lifetime members. They have done exceptional deeds, um, things that most people would never do, and there's a handful of those. Most people, um, well, I don't know about most people, but we have a 420 membership. We're actually about to introduce a 710 membership, which is actually going to give a, a couple, a husband and wife or significant others, however you want to call them, a twofer for a little cheaper than than each of them separately. So we do have a twofer for 710 that should be popping up on the site pretty soon. But we have 420 memberships. And what that means is for $4.20 a month, price of a cup of coffee, for God's sake, um, or a beer in a bar, for that, you know, whatever it is, $4.20, you can spend more than that on throwaway items all day long, and most people do. This gives you a viable... Um, membership in our organization. Then we have a $15 annual membership, which is one of the lowest cost annual memberships of any organization I know. Um, virtually every other organization I've been a member has been more than that for an annual membership. Then we have a sponsorship uh, membership that I think is $150. I think we have a $50 associate and a $150 sponsor. Anyways, that being said, um, our goal, our push, our our, our struggle here is to get 420 memberships. If we can count on a monthly donation coming in, it allows us to forecast our needs and, and prepare for um, campaigns and things like that. If we're going to do printing or, or organize um, anything, it's in, important for us to see what we have 
in front of us. So um, <coughs> what we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a drawing. And I've always said that our membership should be valuable. And it's not valuable because you're going to get prizes, but today it's valuable because somebody's going to get a prize. And there's all kinds of reasons why it's valuable. So today we're going to do one drawing for all the members. It doesn't matter what kind of member you are. I was given a list of what our current members are. If it's accurate, I feel good. If it's not accurate and you believe that you should have one of these, contact me at 951-436-6312. Call me up, text me, message me, let me know why you should be a member if you don't have a card, and I'll see to it that you get one. I have a feeling this is a little short, but it is what it is, and if we get it reconciled and I know that it's current, we'll do it again. Every week hereafter, though, we will be selecting from the 420 member list. Why? Because every month you pay dues, so you have registered yourself for a weekly drawing. The annual members, we're going to do one drawing. Maybe a second one if we get it if we get it accurate. So our prize today, we have a postcard written or drawn an original artwork that's drawn by Michael Pelletier, and it says here on the back about the artist Michael Pelletier is a federal prisoner serving a life sentence for cannabis crimes. Art became his medium in which he learned to cope with being a paraplegic as well as incarceration. Although he has a life sentence, he maintains hope. Proceeds help fund legal fees to continue the fight for freedom and art supplies so that he can continue to express himself and heal. And he does have a website that is michaelpelletierart.com. So um, I have here, this is a, a, a postcard that has been taken from an oil painting that he did called Glitzy Maryland, and it's a picture of Marilyn Monroe and in his in his stylistic art and um, that's one of the items so you're going to receive that and as I ta told you our ribbon is very important this uh, looks like we're going to go a little over time so hang on folks if you haven't called in and you want to talk you got 90 seconds to do so if you're on the line, don't worry. We're going to go a little over time, and everything's groovy. You have plenty of time to talk. So this ribbon here is one of our solidarity ribbons, handmade with love and aggression. Every bit of this has been literally handmade, and my team is the makers of these ribbons. So that's one of them. Also, we have a solidarity ribbon earth magnet. This was laser-cut, powder-coated, and has a very strong earth magnet on it. Now, we literally drove an RV across the desert for Paula Huff's sentencing hearing from Southern California, actually from Long Beach, down to, Southern, down to Lake Elsinore, down to San Diego, and across over to Tucson, and back with one of these on the front bumper. And it made it there, it made it back, no problem, across the Arizona desert. That will be included in this package. And then, as I've mentioned before, Willow Creek Springs is my little company, and my little company loves the human solution. And me and my wife have uh, been making for, hell, almost 20 years now. And um, 
we will donate uh, as needed to these prizes. So we have a little moisturizing pack here. Um, first of all, there's a lip quench, a hemp-based product, and uh, it's super moisturizing for your lips. Then we have <clears throat> a moisturizing massage lotion um, that's citrus mint flavored. This is my wife's specialty recipe. And um, she literally makes every single batch of this to taste. And it drives me nuts, but it makes for her special ability to make things just perfect. And she'll literally correct every formula drop by drop until it's just right. So the, the smell of this citrus mint here is impeccable, and I could never even come close to it. Then we get into the Willow Creek Springs Nano CBD Massage Lotion. This is my formula, and it has nanoparticle CBD, which means they're very, very small, and they can penetrate through your uh, skin cell layers and down into your actual uh, membranes of your cells and bring the CBD pain-relieving um, anti-inflammation action down into your, into your muscles as you're being massaged. And it's also got a nice glide to it, and it has an energy vortex uh, fragrance, which is kind of a citrusy thing as well. Anyways, that is the prize here, and we're going to shake it up. Yay. And I will reach inside and draw out a winner. And the winner is Antoinette Mongelli. Antoinette is a very special person because she joined the Human Solution at the request of of me. Her husband just passed away from a glioma, glioma, sorry, a brain, very invasive brain cancer, and uh, unfortunately, we met her after he began radiation of his brain, and in my opinion, had already fried his brain. Um, she was able to begin uh, an oil protocol which held the tumor at bay for a long time, but once that radiation had killed the tissue, I frankly don't think that the oil was able to do what it could, and it was too little too late. Um, and he just recently passed a couple of weeks back. Uh, and Antoinette was coming to me for other reasons, and, 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 I, and I said, you know, um, it'd be nice if you helped us a little bit. I mean, I kind of poked her a little bit. I didn't, I felt almost bad about it, but it's like, really, the people that are benefiting most from this medicine, why aren't they helping? And she says, well, what can I do? I says, well, for God's sake, at least help out with the nonprofit. Join, you know, and participate on some level. Be a part of this. And she says, okay. And she did. And she signed up not only as a 420 member, but as an annual member as well. And it's actually kind of fitting that she got this little prize. Um, she just lost her husband. Her priorities had been um, obviously shifted in a way that preserving her, her husband's life was the only thing that mattered. And yet she still made the human solution important at my behest. And so um, that was definitely something that to me was a moving gesture. And if anybody was going to get this first drawing, I'm, I'm glad it was her. So, anyways, Antoinette Mancelli, um, you will receive this prize, and we'll get it mailed out to you tomorrow. All right, folks, we're running over time. We got Bob and Colleen, and then Tom Corby to wrap it up. Bob and Colleen, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Hey, can you hear me? 
I hear you loud and clear. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I'm up in the driving down the 101, the Redwoods. I had to pull over. But, uh, yeah, um, I'll tell you what. Th- this cannabis is a miracle, and I, I don't under I, – I can't fathom in my own mind. Like, I mean, I, I would have no problem at this point. If they wanted to lock me up, I mean, you might as well freaking kill me. You know, I, it's like Nazi Germany or something. As I was driving down the 101 through Ukiah, my stomach was hurting. I got Crohn's disease, you know, and – uh, and I'm feeling all paranoid. I'm like, should I just take a couple puffs off a joint? I don't want to get a DUI because my car smells like pot, you know. And I'm like, fuck it. Uh, excuse my language. I'm sorry. But I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just have to have the argument on the side of the road that, with them, you know. And if what it be is, it, it is. But the paranoia behind it is, you know, and this is supposed to be so-called legal, you know. And anybody that uses cannabis on a daily basis doesn't feel the effects of it anymore. I, you know, I, they don't. You just don't feel the effects of it. Well, and if you did, so what? Well, you know, yeah, it's I, not imperative. I don't worry about getting high as though it's going to send them straight to hell or something. And it's like, wait a minute. You you take any other medicine and the side effects are either nausea, um, dry mouth, um, hunger, um, you know, dizziness, um, sleepiness can't sleepiness, whatever. There's every kind of side effect. So what if a little high, I, I, I still can't understand, and I, I will have a whole conversation about that someday. Well, what is everybody's afraid of being high? What What is the, what the hell is your problem? <laughs> you know? Well, anyway, I mean, at point, I, I, I wish I could get high. I mean, when you eat 500 milligrams of cannabis oil three times a day, after a while, it's like any other medication, and that's why I found it like a pharmaceutical. You know, when you take one Vicodin, you are completely, you know, you're out of it. Now, you take one Vicodin for three days, you're going to need two of them to get that same feeling because you build a tolerance. And right. what I found out using this oil is that I've kind of leveled out to where it's like any other medication. I take it, and I can get out of bed, and I can function during the day. Like, an, I have a quality of life. And I don't feel the psychoactive, uh, 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 the psychoactive effects of it. And then to top it off, I was my doctor. I had to go in because I have fistulas from the Crohn's disease, and I, I mean, I really, literally got over a hundred holes coming out of my, you know, my my rear end and on my thighs, and just all kinds of nasty places. I'm embarrassed about kind of. But I, I find I was ready to go to the hospital, and I was on 20 milligrams of oxycodone at the time. I had doubled my dose. It still wasn't killing the pain, and I felt like I needed morphine. And I had Colleen pack some cannabis oil into the holes and in the fistulas. And within 30 seconds, I mean, it wasn't five minutes. It wasn't it, within 30 seconds, Joe. It was like throwing water on a fire. And the smoke, it was just, you know, it was just like gone. I don't need a pain pill no more. My My rear end does not hurt. The doctor told me when I went seeing him last, there was nothing else he could do for me but put a bag on my stomach to slow this down. And I would have to live with the bag on my stomach for the rest of my life. I packed a little bit of cannabis oil on my butt, and and guess what? It's starting to clear up. You know, it used to, it was really red and angry looking, and now all of the open sores, the wounds, are actually starting to heal and clear. And um, so just direct cannabis oil right onto the wound. And I'm within a 72 hour period. We've done a couple applications so far and it's just 
kind of miraculous. I have pictures, but uh, you know, it's it's. it's I'm, sure, kind I'm, of miraculous. <laughs> yeah, so I like I can't in my mind I can't understand how some how, how this our government of ours or any the world's the world or the world in general would we you know would deny this to somebody because there is no psycho effect in Indiana I would be arrested where I'm from because I can't go visit my mother but if I was to go there and rub this oil on my butt I would be arrested because I'd have a felony on my butt cheek even eating it every day for you. You know, and it's just it's just a shame. And that's why I keep fighting and I'm gonna keep fighting, you know. Planting the seeds. And and my my good friend Frank, I'm I'm very he, he has stepped into activism. I think he's listening in from Missouri right now. You know, and he's got some other people listening and he's been down there with my with Tom Corby, great man. Yeah, he's having a seventy fifth birthday here soon. And uh, I'm going to make it down there and uh, celebrate his birthday with him. But um, cool. it's just such a beautiful thing to see different people coming out that were scared, you know. like Just walking Frank through his own court case and giving him the tools to be able to fight what was being presented to him by the, the state of California, which was a DUI for cannabis. And he wasn't even driving the vehicle. And so, you know, it was interesting to see as court support going in and watching all these people come in to just sign a little orange paper, signing their rights away. And we told Frank, you know, let's not do that for you. I think you have a real case here. Let's let's fight this. And then Tom Corby uh, chapter got on board and we all went into the Butte County government uh, superior court down there and, and fought this case and he, he won case dismissed and, and no, um, no fines, no fines or anything. Cause they wanted to fine him because, you know, obviously they were going to let the case go. So we, they knew they weren't going to get any money out of him. And then he fought that. And so, you know, for me, it was just a, a, a wonderful thing to see someone who was just an advocate of cannabis of this wonderful medicine to become an activist and his, his, his just his whole um, aura about him is so much more um, enthusiastic about the march to end prohibition, and I'm just so proud of Frank if he's listening. Big hugs to you. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna end it. It's gonna happen, and one person at a time. Uh, all these sick people, and once somebody gets healed, I know because it's happened to me. And one, I mean, once it happens to somebody and their family members see what the progression of their health. Returning back to them, that that opens eyes, and and the government can't lie to us no more. Well, it's so true, and and you know the things that you're talking about are one of so many stories, and it is it, it's yet another drumbeat at, that hopefully one day we will finally get it through our schools that this needs to not be a crime anymore. Well, you guys, it's always a treat to hear from you. Uh, keep safe in your travels, and I hopefully we'll be seeing you guys in person soon enough. Very soon, very soon. Bless you. I cannot wait to hear the NorCal report. Talk to you soon. Well, you will not have to wait because it's coming right now. Um, yep, without all right. Further ado, as many of you have waited um, the whole length of the show to hear Tom Corby and the NorCal report. Yay. Tom Corby, welcome <laughs> to the show. Joe, are you hearing me okay? Yeah, you're good. Don't move. Just talk. Talk loud. All right. Donna's got me back here at the workbench right here where you've been many times. 
It's always great to have you here, my friend. Thanks for all you do. All of you out there on the front lines coming together, joining and helping be the solution. Prohibition. Uh, Barry, Lisa, and a coffee party radio show today for another historical show. Did you folks know that Ah Prox was not international? It was go down there, getting the ball rolling, connecting with me up here. A double Pisces, my coordinator. Uh, we all have a There's some way we can fit in to help you this boost. We are now from North South Cal to North Cal or 50 chapters international. When we talk, we're talking to the whole world. I've had folks from Paris, France, from Africa, from India now. Thanking us, Fishy, California, California. What's that? The last day, or talking, came, of course, support that day to see one of our, one only of our dismissals. I used to, he got busted and back down to county here and joined the human. Uh, I cannot believe how many cases we've had around the world. How do we do that? The very first thing we do, comfort effect, is to get that discovery. They cannot take trial unless those always take on the trial. There's no plea deals. They cannot take it to court or time to to trial unless you have all their discovery. And they're going to try to withhold your discovery, believe me. Do whatever they do to you. <clears throat> we also always file our 95 just cause. Uh, and also don't forget entrapment. Most of the cases, if you think about it, Joe, our entrapment, your spine, and almost every one of them. I want to thank all the uh, defendants from here in Northern California, not just County, but all over Northern California, uh, right? Uh, O'Neill, uh, Aaron O'Neill, <laughs> up there in El Dorado County, here in Butte County, on up here in Chasta. County and backing them down. So we never give up. We always take them on. We stand our ground. And we throw everything at them and we're going to make them sick of us. A lot of them are not used to working. They're just pleading you out. And when uh, Pete makes please you out, did you know he gets tired of So the ground, take them on to trial. Uh, my notes here. Just having a note and a calendar. By the way, on my calendar now, it used to be full. There aren't many cases up here in Butte County again for what I just expounded on. Uh, I want to bring up uh, Ben Keaton. Uh, 
captain coordinator up there in Ohio. Uh, our friend Alex Ryan, our neighbor and uh, our uh, partner in crime, if you consider cannabis growing a crime, uh, is our, is our uh, Human Solution International Butte County Coordinator, and he has a case uh, brand up in Ohio could use some help. So uh, you can PM me or Alex Lyons, and uh, we'll get on uh, Alex. And uh, I'm glad, so glad that uh, Joe, when he was here, uh, he got to meet Alex Lyons. We planned the seeds, and he ought to throw in the Ross show. And so uh, Alex was going to be in Hawaii. I was in Albert Thomas, maybe in April. With Albert Thomas there. Okay, I want to thank all the speakers and the listeners uh, for coming to stand your ground. Let's then put this down. See all our POWs who no one's going to sell for a plan. And Donald, don't forget to breathe. Thank you so much, Tom, as always. And, uh, the NorCal Report. Well, I want to thank everybody who made this show another great one. And, um, you know, we're out of time. We're over time. If you want to participate, if you want to get support for your case, if you want to help support somebody else's case, it's really simple, folks. If you post it on Facebook, I some people will see it, some people won't. If you want the human solution to help you, there's only one way to do it. You can either connect with one of our chapter coordinators, or you can go to our website, thsintl.org. We actually have an intake form that's specifically for your case. We also have a special announcement form. We have a way to reach out to the Human Solution International, the national side of things, and we can direct you to local resources. If we don't have local resources in your area, we can help you organize them. That's how most of our chapters have gotten started, because somebody either recognized a need or had a need themselves. And that's it. It's grassroots, folks. It's all volunteer. We've learned a lot about how to bring people together and how to make a difference in the world, and we're going to share it with you. But you've got to ask. We're not going to go and find you. We're not going to knock you on your door. We're not going to follow your Facebook feed. We're not going to look at your event. Or maybe we will. Some people will. Some people won't. Um, but we've created a resource, and we encourage you to participate in it so that we can help you to help yourself and ultimately create a world where no one has to worry about going to jail for a plant. We'll see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my mind.